That little piece of dead air brought to you by BMW Motors. <laughs> Please fix my car. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, six after nine o'clock. Welcome along. Susie Wiles here for Skeptical Thoughts. How are you, Susie? I'm very good. Thanks, Graham. How are you? Good, good. Um, well, let's just rip into it. There's no need for a fancy introduction about anything else this is coming up other than have you got your hard hat ready for the Gordons to build space between 10 and 11? Oh, I will mention something. I had a little thought, a little worrying thought. I worried about myself. Uh, probably unnecessarily. They're a really, really noisy band. Amazingly, beautifully noisy, but probably the loudest band ever came from New Zealand. Um, it's a scorching noise. I know you can turn down the radio and make them just hiss in the background, but it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And I thought, oh, I'm off, out on a limb, cutting it off behind me, trying to tell people this is good. And they're going to, they'll be complaining to the boss saying, what is this infernal bloody racket that we were completely subsumed with between 10 and 11 o'clock? Um, and so, I don't know. I, I, so I got worried. But I'm going ahead with it. Bugger it. Earplugs. Yeah. They or tuned into something, uh, <laughs> something else, the sound of music or something. But they're an important band, so stuff yes. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say that to my listeners. I don't really mean it. But we're going ahead with it anyway. Shall we say that? I'm on my hind legs in saying that. <laughs> Susie Wiles um, with Skeptical Thoughts. Welcome in. And first up, TVNZ On Demand. Uh, there's the pseudo-history show. <laughs> it's fascinating, isn't it? Can yeah. I? Shall we, can we just play a bit of oh, the... Oh, please um, do. Uh, audio first because I heard this without any uh, I heard the audio of this mm -hmm. without any uh, background about what it was and I went oh really and then I went oh really and then really the guardians of this land the Maori have a rich and powerful culture full of mystique and an oral history that tells of a colourful and ancient past. The official story is that New Zealand was uninhabited 800 years ago when a fleet of seven canoes arrived from the Central Pacific. But a strange thing happened when they got to New Zealand. Their culture changed significantly. They built planked houses with decorative facades, used single canoes instead of outriggers, fashioned terraced village sites with amphitheatres and created complex art forms not seen anywhere else in the Pacific. So what made them change? Was it merely the difference in climate? Or was it that they were influenced by people who were already living here? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah, so this is basically a pseudo-nonsense alternative history of New Zealand habitation, um, which aired um, as a two-part documentary. I'm going to put that in air quotes. I don't know what you would call it other than a show. It's mm -hmm. called just a show. Um, and then uh, it got... Oh, it's called, so it's called New Zealand Skeletons in the Cupboard. Um, and it claims that seven-foot-tall, red-headed Celts and pale-skinned, fairy-like people were settled here first. 
Um, and so this show was on, and then it basically got put on in um, TVNZ's on demand uh, platform mm. under <laughs> documentary and factual. And so, uh, oh, really? Yes, <laughs> yes. So a gentleman called Richard Stephen tweeted TVNZ and Media Watch asking why the show, which is. Got. I mean, it's basically it's it's full of utterly debunked stuff. Um, in fact, it was those very claims were um, part of a. Um, there was a story I think last year in the Northern Advocate it had it on its front page. Oh. That basically got um, the uh, the um, New Zealand Media Council upheld a complaint about that. It's all kind of nonsense. Anyway. Um, so TVNZ didn't respond, but Media Watch, <laughs> uh, they chased it up. And then what happened was... Colin um, Peacock. Uh, whoever it was. Yep. Um, they then uh, basically, TVNZ um, concluded the show wasn't robust enough to stay in their factual lineup. So they made the decision to remove it from TVNZ On Demand. Great. I hope they removed the Bible from the, the same <laughs> area in bookstores. But there's, so on that clip, there's um, there's actually an interview with the director um, who basically claims, so some of the evidence that they use are uh, is evidence from legit scientists who are studying the area. Mm. And... Uh, both of the people have said that that is that that the the claims that they've made with their research are not right, and they contacted them to say this is not right. Neither of those people appeared on the show. Their research was just talked about, um, and then basically this director just claims they're all lying just to sort of try and protect their jobs, and it's all a big conspiracy. And oh, blah, blah, blah. right. And so it's like, oh my god. Look, anyway. early, early, really early <laughs> Maori culture is something that we have. Not a lot of archaeological evidence for, and there's nothing written down. And it's utterly fascinating. It's wonderful. Um, the Kaitaia lintel is something else. There are these um, really, really early artifacts, and you can see that they have relations to the other Polynesian areas, Marquesies, apparently. Um, no one really, really knows. But there's a big cultural shift. And that's obviously, they were here mm. and on their own. And there was the difference between that and classical, what we call, you know, the, the classical art cultures. Um, there's a big change. The use of chevrons and, and things like that. The early stuff, is, it's, it is worth looking up and finding out about. Um, there's a really good book called Polynesian Voyages mm -hmm. by Andrew Crow, which is coming out very shortly. He won't do an interview because um, he's too shy. But Lisa <laughs> Matasu Smith knows a thing or two about it. Yeah, well, she was one of the people whose research was basically abused. Really? In this documentary, yeah. Oh, Do sorry, I call it a documentary again. <laughs> <laughs> in this show. Because I'm uh, going to reel in, hopefully, I've asked uh, Lisa Matasu Smith to talk about this, but it's it's a fascinating thing that we should mm -hmm. know more about, how um, cults have developed here in New Zealand. Mm. So that's the shame for me, that it's that fascinating real stuff that gets utterly ignored because of these conspiracy theorists. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That was my five cents. I'll, I'll, I'll leave the rest to you. <laughs> Sensing murder, it's back again. Oh, we can't stop talking about this. So it was, <laughs> it was um, in the uh, basically the New Zealand Herald's entertainment writer 
um, went for a reading with one of the Sensing Murder Psychics. Um, and so obviously there's the result of her reading up on her column. Uh, she says she went in a reluctant skeptic and she's always wanted to believe but couldn't. But a little bit of cold reading from one of the uh, of the Sensing Murder Psychics and she's a believer. Mm. Um, apparently she was told about her pink aura and her love of animals and her clean freak nature. She admits that the psychic quite often said things that would made no sense and also that didn't apply to her or were straight up wrong. But apparently the things she did get right, she got scarily right, and so she's convinced. <laughs> it's just hilarious. But fortunately, <laughs> we also this week have a fantastic piece on uh, the spin-off TV uh, done by James Mysterpick. Um, <laughs> honestly, hopefully we can put it in He's a, a national treasure already. Oh, my God. This is just 10 minutes of just... A fabulous, fabulous watch. Yeah. Have you got a little bit of it? We have a little bit oh, of it. And if you're listening to this online afterwards, not on the uh, podcast, but online in the audio feature, we'll have the link up to this yeah. so you can see the whole thing. He's great. It's Here he goes. awesome. Yeah. He's, um, yeah, national treasure already at the <laughs> age of what? 12? Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. Even when I was a kid, I knew it was a sham. Each episode of the show started off with a bizarre statement that they had tested 75 psychics in New Zealand on a case. All of the psychics seemed to have just been chosen for their massive hand movements, I think. The psychics would then sense a few things about the spirits. Calvin Cruikshank was extremely creepy to the spirits sometimes. She's got beautiful eyes. Her skin's really nice too. Hey Calvin, could you go back to finding out who the murderer is, please? All I know is that she's looking pretty fine. She wants me to plait her hair, or she wants me to give her hair some plaits. She wants me to have a moustache as well. Okay, pretending that you can speak to ghosts is one thing, but pretending that a ghost wants you to have a moustache, that is disgusting. Where do you get off? In cemeteries, probably. He's gorgeous. Gorgeous. <laughs> no, I used the word gorgeous because he, that's what he wants me to use. Okay, he told me to say that, all right. The ghost made me do it. I am not gay, Dad. <laughs> the psychics would then sense a few things about how the murder happened. I can see sneakers and I can see jeans. Ah! Sensing sneeze. She's really emotional. Well, she would be murdered. Sensing that someone would be emotional when they were being murdered. Psychics are still as sharp as ever on the new series. The trees have got um, leaves on them. Whoa! She's still got it, folks. No, oh, I feel like he's been murdered. Sensing murder. Oh, actually, sorry, that is the name of the show. <coughs> sorry. <laughs> he's lovely. Oh, it's just so funny. Yeah. So funny. Yeah, go and, go and watch the whole ten minutes. It's great. Well worth your evening. All right. Dear Velvet, it's something that sounds as though it must be good for you. So somebody's done this. The other day we brewed a very special beer for our friends over in China. We call it Red Stag Wheat. And what makes this beer unique is we added about eight kilos of velvet straight from the antler, sourced locally here up the Waihopai Valley in the Marlborough District. We took that uh, velvet, added it to our hotback and threw it straight into the kettle. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So we talked about this about a month ago, this deer velvet. Um, so it's a supplement made from living antler tissue um, that's removed from the deer before their antlers have calcified. And it's a pretty painful process. It requires a vet and anesthesia. This is not a, you know, this is not, not a um, 
Yeah. Mm. Um, and of course, there's, well, so it's the supplement is basically really popular. Um, uh, sort of claims that it enhances sporting and sexual performance. And of course, there is no evidence for that whatsoever. In fact, all the papers have shown nah, nothing. Of course, that hasn't stopped Moa making this beer for their Chinese market. And apparently the entire first batch sold out in 48 hours. Really? It was advertised on the Chinese version of Facebook, yeah. But so related to Deer Velvet, so it seems to be in the news twice this week, um, was that in Dunedin District Court this week, um, one of the companies, that I think the director of one of the companies, is um, has admitted 24 charges of misleading conduct under the Fair Trading Act. So apparently the Commerce Commission um, did an investigation into the supplement and found that it didn't contain the amount of deer velvet that it said on the label. And so this guy has been brought before the court. Um, he said it happened because of a new manufacturing process that made the product more potent. And so they basically just said it's twice as effective, so they'll put less in it, but they didn't change the label. Well, the, homeo <laughs> the homeopathic styles. <laughs> um, but what's really, well, of course, it's not homeopathic, right? Because it has stuff in it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. anyway. Um, but he, but what was really interesting is that under cross-examination, he revealed what his testing regime was in court. Mm. And basically it involves him taking the supplement or giving it to people like the late Sir Colin Meads. Or and then and seeing how, how they felt. Hi, Colin. How are you feeling? Yeah. And then he basically <laughs> refused to accept that this was perhaps not a very scientific way of doing it. And the quote is, when you're leading in what you do, there's no one to follow. Oh, Ooh. right, right. Just... That's Just what Einstein said. Yeah. That's what Thomas Edison said. <laughs> That's what Isaac Newton said. It's like, honestly, if you want to know how something works, it's quite well established how you figure that out. Yeah. It's not the way you're doing it. Well, it's just, anyway. as we discussed before about the antler thing, this deer velvet, it's got all the imagery and feeling of... Oh, it's it's engorged with blood. <laughs> it's a thing that sticks out. It's masculine and it's full of ooh, ooh, full of vigor, ooh, ooh stuff, <laughs> isn't it? It's, it's got that feeling. Yeah, and now you can drink it in a beer. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, we'll take a break and come back with a guy who's got avocado in his name. That's not <laughs> particularly unusual. In fact, that's the least unusual thing about this man. And I'll make a confession about the New Zealand International Film Festival. Curiosity not only killed the cat, it spawned a whole radio show. Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. Oh, I won't leave the confession uh, as anything like, ooh, what's it going to be? Regarding the New Zealand International Film Festival, uh, was a few years ago they had this movie on called The Sugar Movie and it was... I look to me like demonising sugar. I don't know what was right about it or no, I don't know what was wrong about that. But I knew a few things wrong about the people that were brought on as experts. Alarm bells went off. It was very... Um, Morning. Bullshit alert. Yeah, it was going off because there were, the maker of the documentary said, and I spoke to NASA engineer, scientist and physicist about diabetes. And I think, hang on, not your area of expertise. <laughs> I spoke with expert David Wolfe, and he agrees with me. And I went, David Wolfe, never heard of the, um, what's the word? <laughs> That's right. And uh, so I looked him up, and you find this guy is from Mars. 
And yet people were looking at this documentary going, mm, so well researched. It's so scientifically done. It's very good. I was invited to do the Q&A with the director. So I got in touch with Bill Gosden from the film festival. I said, look, I've had a look at this thing. Here are my problems. And I've got to say there were some all caps in there. <laughs> Uh, do you still want me to do the Q&A? And he said, probably leave alone. <laughs> so I was excused from doing the Q&A. I would have liked to have done it, but it might not have pleased the audience. Mm, might have been better for their health. Okay. <laughs> David is coming to New Zealand. His middle name's Avocado. His last name's Wolf. Do you have a do you have any of the audio from him? What do you want? Oh, him just... advertising his stuff or him saying chocolates from the sun? Let's have him take chocolates from the sun. All right, chocolate is from the sun. He's not kidding, folks. I mean, maybe he is, but he th wants you to take it seriously. Chocolate lines up planetarily with the sun. <laughs> chocolate is an octave of sun energy. In fact, it's the energy of the center of the sun. Oh, tell us something we don't know. It's a male energy that comes down off the sun, and, and it actually, out of all the plants, the cacao is right online, target of the center of the sun, which we call in our body the heart. And actually, cacao is right up with the center of the sun, which is the center of the heart, which is called the sacred heart. So the cacao is hitting that frequency of the sacred heart, and it's an energy that comes from the sun. Oh, of course it is. And, and I think if you just keep talking, just keep talking in a way that sounds very like, yes, you're absolutely right, then like you you provide no room for people to go, what, 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 what? Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, so <laughs> David Avocado Wolf, I mean, there, there is nothing much to say about him other than just avoid. Um, but he's coming to New Zealand in December. <laughs> I was like, they're all coming. Let's go. Um, he's, oh, well, tickets are limited to 100 per venue. And he, so he's playing... I believe he's only playing one night here. He's playing a couple of dates in Sydney and also in Perth. I reckon he's just going on holiday and he's just doing a few days. I mean, this is not a serious tour, it doesn't sound like. So he's just right. doing a bit of a thing. Um, $200 for a ticket. Nah. He's, um, he's all about this uh, word wellness, which yeah. has come into modern parlance. This, you can't even go to a sick bay anymore. Uh, it's a wellness, wellness bay. bay. Yeah. So um, he's, it looks like his thing is sponsored by this company called Inner Origins um, mm -hmm. in Australia, which calls itself a wellness abundance community. Mm. Here's his promo for that. <laughs> Inner Origin is more than a marketplace. It's a revolution. Greetings, I'm David Avocado Wolf and I'm excited to be an ambassador and an advocate for Inner Origin. I'll be bringing you the latest in health, the latest in food, superfoods. What are the fitness revolutions that are breaking through into our culture? If I come from a family of medical doctors, it's genetic, it's in me. I want people to be healthy and I will fight for your health freedoms. It comes from a family of medical doctors, it's genetic. <laughs> He's going to fight for our health freedoms. Um, uh, <laughs> all you need to know about this company is that one of their other ambassadors is Paleo Pete Evans. Mm. So uh, I reckon they want to go global. That's probably why they've pulled in Avocado Man. Um, yeah. Oh, just what? What? There's nothing to say, I right. think, other than. I'd love to know. <laughs> Bullshit yeah, basically. Bullshit alert coming to New Zealand in December. I, I had a sad face on me after the film festival when that sugar movie did the rounds. 
and he was interviewed by so many people and the maker of it who mm. used that man mm. as an expert and a NASA engineer to talk about diabetes and someone with a degree from nowhere, <laughs> no a, a post office box <laughs> called Berkeley. Um, I checked them out. They were just, it was rubbish. Mm. And yet people went, mm, oh, mm, oh, really? Mm. There was no inquiry. It was so disappointing. Mm. I had a real, and, and it took the world by storm, that sugar movie. Not saying everything about what he was saying was wrong, but there was just no, what's the word? Skepticism. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Skeptical thoughts of Susie Wiles. Thank you very much. Practically a public service, we'll <laughs> say it is. Uh, and we'll talk again with you soon. All the best. Next up, John Dibvig. And yes, we do salute John McCain, who is in many ways a very decent man. Life, the universe, and everything in between. Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. US is the least qualified guy. <laughs> but look what they are doing today. Yet, this guy is telling us it's better for US to shut up. Yes, this guy. <laughs> this guy. I How's it going, it. guy? What are they doing today, this guy? Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, I suppose some Trump relief. Uh, well, not a good Trump relief. Not a good Trump relief, but it is relief because John McCain, a pretty big figure in American politics and American life, when you look at his life, he died today. Yeah, he died today, 81. Um, he was a senator, six-time Senator from Arizona. Uh, he was a career Navy um, pilot. He was a fighter pilot in 1967. He, he, uh, his uh, plane got shot down over Hanoi on a bombing mission, and he was in prison in a POW camp for five and a half years. They broke his arm so much he couldn't raise his arms above his head. They offered to release him, and he said no. Well, they found yeah they found out that he was the son of an admiral, mm. so they had great propaganda there, and he said no, I'm not going until you release. The other people, and um, yeah, and then he, then he got into uh, politics. And well, we've got a um, cut from him. It's from the bed that he was in in North Vietnam yeah. in Hanoi, where he was being held, and it was used as propaganda yeah. for the North Vietnamese, the Viet Minh Cong. I don't know what you want to call them, <laughs> yeah. but um, Ho Chi Minh's outfit. Uh, it is. It's bloody moving as it gets towards the end. It's a minute and a half. Stick with it. This is him from that bed in Hanoi. Yeah. What is your name? Lieutenant Commander John McCain. How many raids have you done until the last one? About 23. In which circumstances have you been shot down? I was on a flight over the city of Hanoi, and I was bombing and was uh, hit by either missile or any aircraft fire. I'm not sure which. And the plane continued straight down. And I ejected and broke my leg and both arms and went into a lake, parachuted into a lake. And I was picked up by some North Vietnamese 
and taken to the hospital where I almost died. I would just like to tell my wife I will get well. I love her. I hope to see her soon. Yeah, it's pretty moving, isn't it? Very, I'm, very moving. That's Ken Burns who put the music underneath that. That's from the excellent documentary yeah, Vietnam. Vietnam. So, yeah. oh, a small apology for the music behind it, but what the hell? You know, he's cracking up. He's close yeah. to being a broken man. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, you know, I mean, he had kind of a, in a sense, a charmed life because on the, one of the aircraft carriers, he was in his plane and there was a huge explosion. And his plane was engulfed in flame, and 134 sailors were killed. Good God. And uh, he got out of that. And then three months later is when he got shot down over Hanoi. So, you know, yeah. But he was, you know, like I say, he comes from a Navy. He comes from a military-backed family. I mean, all his his parents, his grandparents, his great-granddad. I mean, the McCains have been fighting somebody for, you know, for generations. Mm, and, right. he, and and that was kind of his standing. He was uh, a military guy. He had a lot of honor and stuff. And uh, he was a maverick, you know. He, he towed the party line a lot, Republicans, but he also went against them mm. and voiced his opinion. And he's kind of a guy, to me, like uh, a rock-solid politician that there's very few of today. Mm. That you go, yeah, John McCain, you know, he's— Right there, fighting and yelling and screaming. and A doing... decent Democrat could see themselves voting for him. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, even this year on the Obamacare thing, when the Republicans tried to scuttle the whole thing, he came out and said, hey, listen, let, let's go back to the old ways we used to do this and invite the other team in and we'll discuss it and come up with a plan. And, you know, people, obviously the Republicans don't listen, but, they, you know, I mean, that's the way the Senate used to work. They mm. used to, you know, they used to agree to disagree, but... They would eventually iron something out. Now, it's just all skullduggery uh, mm. politics, where the Republican Party does something and then the Democratic Party does something, and they don't invite each other. Yeah, he said no to that changing of the bill, didn't he? Yeah, several yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. Three and o'clock boy, in the morning. Did, did that piss Trump off? Oh yeah, yeah. Three o'clock in the morning, and he did. <laughs> he did in a great fashion. He was the last vote. Yeah. And he kind of sauntered up and, and they asked him and he was standing there and he waited and he looked at, you know, McConnell and he just went, no thumbs down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, really, really annoyed Trump. Um, you what know. the hell is Trump going to say now? Because he said, I prefer heroes that don't get shot down. That don't get captured. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, he did that, you know. And That's about the lowest thing I've heard Trump say. Uh, that that, that was the first thing that really riled my feathers, uh, yeah. you know, that, when he said that. But, you know, Trump does all kinds of, you know, nasty stuff in regards to that because there was a John McCain military bill that he signed this year, a $700 billion Defense Authorization Act for mm. the military. And Trump signed it and never mentioned McCain once, just talked about his own Space Force and all his other stuff. <laughs> I right. mean, you know, petty, 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 you know. I understand Trump's going to attack Mars shortly. Yeah, yeah he's going after him. But this is, this is kind of like, because, you know, McCain did voice things, you know, and just I'll just go over this one thing he said a lot of things about trump you know he never got on his bandwagon but when trump congratulated uh, putin on his election victory mccain said an american president does not lead the free world by congratulating dictators on winning sham elections you know mm. and so he he you know he he voiced his opinion but he wasn't ever really too super nasty 
Uh, he may maybe his biggest mistake. What do you reckon? <laughs> Sarah Palin. Yeah. God. He could have. I mean, you know, he might have. He might have tipped Barack in two thousand and eight. Yeah. Sarah Palin was. I mean, she just. You know, Sarah. He Pal- went after the wrong voters with that decision, didn't he? Yeah. Well, because Barack was fresh and vibrant and different and black, <laughs> different. Mm. He thought they thought that they had to get somebody that was equally going to grab the headlines, and she grabbed the headlines in a you know in a positive way in a sense. Young for- female, confident. Confident. For about three weeks, about a month maybe, and then everybody went, "This, this, she's stupid as a brick." Yeah, <laughs> she was young. She was female. She was confident. Yep. But hasn't ever read a book. Never read a magazine. Never read a newspaper. Yeah. I mean, we know. don't need that reading. <laughs> yeah. We know how to do the Iditarod. Yeah. We get out there with our huskies and our guns. Yeah. So, anyway. Anyway, so turn. I always found that uh, just one of the puzzling things, and nobody really. I, I didn't never. I've never seen an interview about it. But why would he pick her? Mm. I just, you know, just it defies a lot. Must have been some advice from. Oh, his, I'm sure he got it from his committee. Some, yeah. You know, somebody thought that was a bright idea. Great choice. Great yeah. choice. <laughs> well, I tell you what, after her first speech, it did look like it. Oh yeah, no, no, she came out guns a blazing. She nailed that. But then. You know, as people started to interview her, it became yeah. patently obvious that she had not really a clue as to what was going on. I'm a soccer mom. <laughs> no, she did great in that speech. You really have to say it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a nice example of McCain's decency during that election campaign, that town hall meeting. You know the one? Yeah, I do. I do. And it was a, it was a really good moment. It was honest. It was like, you know, above politics. Mm. You know, I mean, some woman tried to... Um, Claim that uh, Barack was a was a Muslim, yeah. a Arab, Arab, yeah. and, and uh, McCain said no. Yeah, when everything was going for his advantage, for him to gloss over this actually, oh. and he he stood up for what he believed in, yep. and it's uh, we've got that here from that very town hall meeting. Yeah, no, we're scared. Um, we're scared of an Obama presidency, and I'll I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'm concerned about um, you know someone that you know cohorts with. Uh, domestic terrorists such as heirs. I have to tell you, he is a decent person and a person that you do not have to be scared as president of the United States. Now, I, I just, now I just, now, now look. I gotta ask you a question. I do not uh, believe in, I can't trust Obama. I, I, I have read about him and he's not, he's not, he's a, um, he's an Arab. No? No ma'am. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. He's a, he's, a, he's a decent family man, citizen, that I just happen to have disagreements with on, on fundamental issues, and that's what this campaign is all about. He's not. Thank you. Thank you. And rather a mild spattering of God, we, if we could only have that kind of just normalcy now. Yeah. You know, I mean, because that was, yeah. And, and you could hear the people going, oh, no, no, no. Gasping. Gasping like, oh, you know. And, these, and, you know, that, and that's what you need from leaders. That's that's why they're leaders, you know, yeah. when they say, no, this is the right thing to do, whether you think or not. See, and Trump is just the opposite. He feeds that fuel and eggs people on. Mm. And, you know, no, it's a, it's a real tragedy. I mean, there's a real contrast there. Leadership's a hard thing to define, but after thinking about it a bit, 
my best description to make good decisions in difficult circumstances. Yeah. And I think he made a really good decision great, right there in a difficult decision. circumstance. Yeah, oh, totally, because he you know, he was he knew people weren't gonna be happy with that and, and he said the right thing. Because, you know, I mean, Barack is a, is a good family man, and he's a good man. You don't have to agree with his politics, but, you don't, you know, you can't just slander the guy. Mm. So, you know, the way we do now, today it's all slander. Yeah. Oh, what happens to his seat? He, there's a vote less for the Republicans now or something. No. Yeah, 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 until uh, the midterms. The midterms oh, okay. are coming up. they got the primaries all going. And, and, the, and the one woman that's going for the primary who was a, a, an anti-McCain person, yeah. a Republican, she came out. Now, you're not going to believe this. But she came out and said that he announced his dying to do put some negativity on her campaign. I'm not kidding you. That's what she said. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You know, you know you're gonna die. You're gonna die. It's not like you announce it. It's just. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Holy hell. That's a commitment to politics, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That you don't expect from your average candidate. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna use my brain tumor and. Knock this person off. Some things are sometimes just what they are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. This has been, as Bill Maher said, Orange Tuesday. <laughs> uh, a really, really bad, bad, bad week for Trump. Oh, yeah. This is it. Well, now we're going to go through this because this is a bad week for him. All right. We start with the Paul Manafort, his former campaign manager. He's on trial. And um, 18 counts. He was convicted of eight felony accounts uh on the 10 accounts he wasn't convicted it was a hung jury 11 to 1 one person hold, held out and the, the eight counts that he was convicted of was like black and white it's bank fraud and tax fraud it's paperwork i mean you can't you know you can't deny it it's all kind of there in, in front of you uh, there was a one juror paula paula duncan and she came out and did some interviews because you can do that after the trial's over and she was an interesting person. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm listening to her, and she said that she's a Trump supporter. She voted for Trump. She will vote for Trump again. She wanted Manafort to be innocent, but she had said the evidence was overwhelming, and and she couldn't vote. You know, she couldn't, uh, you know, say he was not guilty. Um, but what I don't understand is listening to her. She's an intelligent woman, and she said she'd vote for Trump again. And the guy is as crooked as Lombard Street in San Francisco. Yeah. You know, but she would vote for me. I just don't get that. Yeah, it's because he says when the, the Democrats react to something, they don't represent her feelings. You can have an asshole like Trump. You don't like his personality. You don't like the pussy grabbing. You don't like that. But he will stand up and say and address worries about immigration. Yeah. In a way that is going to work better for someone like her than a Democrat standing up and saying open borders. Yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah, I guess. I mean, I, you know, I haven't lived in America for a while, so mm. I, I'm not that. You know, I never really was concerned about the immigrants. I mean, mm. my I grew up in a in a household that you know, restaurant household, and we always had Mexican yeah, yeah, immigrants yeah. doing the dishes. I mean, and waiting. But okay, yeah. so you got Paul Manafort. This is all on the same day. So and then Trump comes out and says that he has great respect for Manafort. Great respect. Now this is the guy who's supposed to be the chief law enforcer of the country. And he talks about flipping and helping prosecutors. He said that should be outlawed because they're all flipping against him. And he has great respect for this guy. And you go, well, no, you know, listen to that folks. You know, he has great respect for a convicted felon, not on somebody's hearsay, on black and white facts. 
And he's got another trial to go to in September. Then you got Michael Cohen. Then you had um, Gerald Ford having great respect for Richard Nixon. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but I, th- I think that was a done deal. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. before he even got there. Okay, then you have Michael Cohen on the same day. That's his personal lawyer. He pleads guilty to eight felony counts. And this is where it gets sticky. This is where the shit hits the fan, folks. He and his eight accounts, number seven and number eight, was the hush money that he paid to the two women two weeks before the election that he said Trump directly directed him to pay. And he did it in cahoots with a guy named David Pecker, who runs the National Enquirer. That's all illegal. They're all felony accounts. First time a sitting president has been accused of a crime by somebody under oath in a court. Mm. So we haven't heard the last of this because then we got David Pecker, who was the CEO of the national of AMI, American Media Incorporation, who they run the National Enquirer. National Enquirer is like truth. It's in every new. It's in every supermarket in the country. That's I an mean, oxymoron, isn't it? Truth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why don't people just say what shit is and say we're putting a, mu- a magazine out called lies? <laughs> yeah, just bullshit. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, the National Enquirer has always got stories about aliens sticking stuff up your rear end and all that kind of stuff. And Bigfoot's the associated editor. Yeah. Editor. Yeah, exactly. But David Pecker, who was a very close friend to Trump's. And, you know, he's been to the White House. He's at dinner with him. You know, and he buried all these stories. He buried every story that Trump was negative to Trump. Mm. And he and he did this hush money payment. So that's illegal. So now he's in trouble. That's paying off the media. Paying off the media. Mm. He's in trouble. Well, and also, you can't use a corporation to hide something from a campaign. You know, he, oh, okay. he buried yep, yep. stories and it's a campaign finance law, yeah. you know, uh, federal law. So he's in trouble. So now, all of a sudden, he's got immunity from the feds. He's talking to the feds. Right. He's he's gone over. So he's singing like a canary. He's singing like a canary. I wonder what Fox News are thinking, because what's the likelihood that they've had a political agenda? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, and when you get immunity, that means that you, you know, they didn't indict him. They just gave him immunity so that if he did something illegal, which he did, because we know this, that they're not going to charge him. Then on top of that... The solicitor, this week, this is all this week, the solicitor general of New York, a woman who was number one graduate in, from Harvard Law School. I mean, she just gets scowls. Got, she's been in front of the Supreme Court a million times. She's 74 years old. She's just a tough girl woman. And she's now the solicitor general of, of New York because the other guy got fired for grabbing somebody's butt or something, mm-hmm. one of those stupid things. But she has indicted the Trump charity foundation and that means don jr eric and ivanka and donald j trump and and the indictment just lists tremendous fraud of using the money to pay their own personal expenses to pay lawyers and charity got nothing in it so that that's a real you know he's got to be worried about that because that's a state crime he can't pardon them at all Uh. all right now we come to number five a big one here Alan Weiselberg. I love the name. Weiselberg. He's the CEO, the chief financial officer of the Trump Foundation. Has been working for the Trump family since the 70s. He worked for Fred Trump. He was an accountant for Fred. He knows where every... Frederick Christ Trump. Yep. He knows where every nickel and dime is gone. No. Guess what? He's been given immunity. He's talking to the feds. 
against Trump. You think this is, you know, this is slowing up? God. Then we got another thing this week. Trump's bodyguards beat up some protesters in front of Trump Tower during the campaign. They've taken him to the court. A judge has just said, you got a case to be heard. We're going to a jury. And anytime you go to a jury, and I've seen the footage, I don't see how they could possibly win because the guy was smacking the guy all over the place. And Trump, you know, was egging people on. Okay. Then number seven, you got Michael Avenatti because Cohen has pleaded guilty. He had to stay on his court proceedings against Cohen and Trump on the Stormy Daniels case. And next next week, they're gonna, he's going to go in front of a California judge and say, let's get this thing back on track so I can depose Trump and Cohen in court. Wow. Then you got number eight. You got two congressmen this week who also got indicted, which made no news at all. <laughs> they didn't even make the radar. But two guys, the two congressmen that were the first to endorse Trump as a candidate. One guy is indicted on securities fraud, insider stock exchange knowledge. The other guy, a Republican congressman from California, he and his wife spent $250,000 of campaign donations on themselves, going to Italy, going through Europe, doing this and that, going to ball games. I mean, doing, doing all kinds of things. And, and this Republican guy, you know, showed great courage by saying, well, my wife was a campaign manager and, you know, I think it's her fault. <laughs> <laughs> now the last thing, the last thing on this bad week for That's Trump. That's an uncomfortable evening at home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now this is the classic. This is this is the cherry at the top because when it, when the shit hits the fan, it all goes. The ex-Trump Tower doorman. Now this story, I saw this story months ago, and nobody said anything about it. But he's saying that he knows that Trump got involved with the housekeeper, and he's got a love child. Now, the only thing that gives, you know, and everybody kind of poo-pooed the story, but it turns out there's a contract with the National Enquirer, and they paid him $30,000, right. and this is all, all this shit happened two weeks before the election. Mm. So, now, that's unfortunately for those who want to see the downfall of Trump. It's all before the election. Once you're in power and you're a president, after that, if you do dodge stuff, that's big time. But before it, you were just a private citizen. It's different. No. No. Yeah? No. 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 If he's, when he is president, he, if you abuse that seat of power, oh, yeah. has he done no, that? Uh, that we don't know. No. That, you know, that's, that we don't know. I can guarantee he's done something illegal. Dodgy as hell before that, we can see all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah. that, I mean, but that's gonna, you know, I mean, this is this story, folks, is gonna unravel. You got Cohen cooperating with the federal authorities, and he's, you know, been with Trump for ten years. Although Trump now says he barely knew the guy, mm. and then you got Weiselman, who has been the, with the Trump Foundation forever, mm. and he knows all the stuff. So this story is gonna just unravel as more and more information. And if this is the stuff that we know now, just from the just from the freedom of the press. Folks, not the enemy of the people, the freedom of the press, because they dig this shit out. I can't, I can't imagine what Mueller's got. But I, I guarantee you, Trump's going to do something spastic now. No, he's going to fire Jeff Sessions. He's going to. He's, I definitely think he's going to um, give Paul Manafort a pardon. But these are the excellent best people because <laughs> that's what he said he was best going Best people. To he's got seven of his yeah. inner circle in jail. Yeah. Half his cabinet has been ousted for embezzlement. Unbelievable. It, come on, John. It's hard to get good help. <laughs> yeah.
Give me a break. You've got a couple of minutes. Do you want to do stupid talk? Yeah, yeah, real stupid talk. Because I told you, you know, Trump people and Trump just say stupid shit all the time. And everybody just got Giuliani, his, his personal lawyer now, came out in an interview and the guy was questioning him about certain facts. And Giuliani said, well, well truth isn't truth, really. Okay, truth isn't truth. Okay. Then you got uh, the same day that Cohen and Manafort were found guilty of felony accounts. Trump was at a rally in West Virginia, and he brought up Hillary Clinton, and they started shouting, lock her up. I mean, come on, folks. You can be only a moron so much. This is the best one, though. Trump this week says that he is obliterated, wiped out. ISIS is extinct. It's no more. You don't have to worry about it. Baghdadi came out this week and said, no, keep fighting, folks. And listen, you morons that support Trump, and you believe everything this son of a bitch says. I want you to take a big American flag because there are 30,000 ISIS fighters in Iraq and Syria. I want you to take that American flag and I want you to march through those ISIS strongholds and see how far you get. And when they're cutting your stupid Moorhead's head off, you can say, well, Donald said you weren't supposed to be here. Thanks, John. Thanks, Graham. You're tuned in. You're tuned in. To Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. Warning, warning, loud music alert. Of course, you can just turn it down on your radio, but they were an infernal racket and a marvellous, marvellous, marvellous band. They're called the Gordons. They exist today in the form called Bail to Space and a rare tour around New Zealand, a very, very rare tour. How, so, in the next hour, from the Gordons to Bail to Space, how did it get there? And a little bit about the early Gordons. Here's, um, this should explain, actually. I was looking at one of the clips a day or two ago online, and um, this dude said his elder brother always had the opinion that they were a great band to hear at the Carlton when they were playing at the Gladstone, which is a nice joke if you've ever spent much time in Christchurch, because the old Gladstone car park is like 700 metres from the old Carlton car park. They're both Mm. now flattened. Basically, as Bro was referring to how punishingly loud they were, and sometimes the best way to hear them was to be outside and down the road. (laughs) And that's no exaggeration. The Gordons, marvellous band, though. Uh, Inaugural classic album from Independent Music New Zealand, their first thing. And their story is well worth telling. So, even if you don't like ferocious rock music, the story, I hope, will entertain you. That's after news, sport and weather. Hard hats on.